When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Empire. Welcome to Inside the Cap. I'm your host, Joel Corey. You can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel. That's C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. You can also read my regular CBSSports.com column, Agents Take on NFL Salary Cap and Contract Matters. Today, we are going to take a look at the looming franchise tag deadline. The clock is ticking for players who are given a franchise tag to sign long-term deals. There's less than a week before the deadline, which is Monday, July 17th at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Um, Ordinarily, the deadline is July 15th, but when July 15th falls on a weekend, which it does this year on Saturday, the deadline is extended to the following Monday, which is the 17th. So, if the four franchise players who have not gotten a long-term deal this year don't sign by this deadline of Monday, July 17th at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. They can't sign long-term deals with their teams, or any long-term, any team even if they're traded, um, until the end of the regular season on January 7th, 2024. Now, we had six players this year who were given franchise tags. Um, two of the six have already signed long-term um, the commanders didn't waste any time in locking up defensive tackle Deron Payne, um, who had an $18.937 million franchise tag. He signed a four-year $90 million contract to become the NFL's second-highest-paid interior defensive lineman, $22.5 million per year. Um, on March 14th, the day before the 2023 league year started, um, that deal has $60.02 million in guarantees. And $46.01 million was fully guaranteed at signing. It set the stage for Jeffrey Simmons to become the second highest paid um, interior defensive lineman um, at $23.5 million per year. Now, the Ravens took a calculated risk with Lamar Jackson by giving him a non-exclusive franchise tag for $32.461 million. Uh, instead of the exclusive tag, which quarterbacks normally get, that allowed him to solicit offer sheets from other NFL teams. Um, Surprisingly, quarterback needy teams were very quick to say that they weren't going to have any interest in him, even though Jackson, the 2019 NFL MVP, would have been significant upgraded quarterback. Now, um, shortly before the NFL draft started on April 27th, um, he became the league's highest paid player. And this is a deal that everyone had been paying attention to because it had been dragging on for years. And he doesn't have an agent. He's never had an agent. Signed a five-year, $260 million uh, deal, averaging $52 million per year. There are $185 million in overall guarantees in the contract. And $135 million is fully guaranteed in contract, uh, fully guaranteed at signing. 
out of the 135 million fully guaranteed at signing, there's an NFL records $72.5 million signing bonus. He also has a no trade clause. Um, there's also a provision preventing the Ravens from designating him as a franchise or transition player when the deal expires after the 2027 season. Now, let's get to the four guys who still have not signed long-term deals. Three of them are running backs, and the three running backs are Saquon Barkley of the Giants, Josh Jacobs of the Raiders, Tony Pollard of the Cowboys. They each got a franchise tag for $10.091 million. Uh, the fourth player is tight end Evan Ingram of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's got an $11.345 million franchise tag. But um, let's start with the running backs. Now, ain't a great time to be a running back. When the regular season ended, in the 2022 regular season ended, you had eight running backs making at least $12 million per year on multi-year deals. Now, they're five. The five remaining are Christian McCaffrey, um, 49ers, Alvin uh, Kamara of the Saints, Derrick Henry of the Titans, Nick Chubb of the Browns, Joe Mixon of the Bengals. Um, And it could go down to four um, because there has been some speculation that the Bengals are going to ask Mixon to take a pay cut. He's supposed to make $10.1 million in salary this year at some point before the regular season started. The three who dropped out, of the um, club, Aaron Jones, he'd signed a backloaded four-year, $48 million contract in 2021 to remain with the Packers. His 2023 compensation went from $16 million to $11 million, and he left, and they didn't touch his um, $12 million salary in 2024. That remained intact. So he made $20 million over the first two years, cosmetically $12 million a year, but it was really designed for something to happen this year. Cowboys released Ezekiel Elliott in March after the worst season of his NFL career. And in June, the Vikings got rid of Dalvin Cook, which you could have seen the handwriting on the wall. That was going to come at some point after June 1 when all the bonus proration in the deal from the future years. And he was under, he had three years left on his contract for $37 million, would not accelerate into 2023, he'd be a 2024 cap charge. So Cook had signed a five-year extension averaging um, $12.6 million per year in 2020. And he's out of the equation. It said could be as little as four if nobody gets a new deal um, because Mixon might have to take a pay cut. The other things that happened in the running back market which haven't been helpful either. It sucked to be a free agent running back this year, to be quite frankly about it. Teams exercise fiscal restraint. That uh, Miles Sanders had a great year with the Eagles in 2022, had a career high 1,269 rushing yards and 11 rushing touchdowns. That ranked fifth and eighth in the NFL, respectively. He got the top deal in free agency as a running back. Um, went to the Panthers four years, $25.64 million. Um, it's the deal, average six point. Uh, Three five million with thirteen million um, fully guaranteed. That's the best deal in the market for a running back. Last year, you had Leonard Fournette and James Conner sign for seven million per year. Fournette has since been released by the Buccaneers. Conner's still in Arizona, but just kind of shows you 
where the running back market is headed and is not going in a good direction. So let's turn our attention to these three running backs in each of their situations. Now, first up is Saquon Barkley. There have been a lot of twists and turns in this negotiation. Um, this first got started um, last year around the time the Giants had their bye week in November when they started negotiating with him, made him a priority over Daniel Jones, the quarterback. Couldn't get anything done. Um, kept negotiating. Um up until the uh, deadline to stick a uh, franchise tag on someone on March 7th, they got a deal done with Daniel Jones, so that left the franchise tag for Barkley. And they hit an impasse. He reportedly turned down a deal for $13 million per year, worth as much as $14 million um, in incentives. Now, then Giants in late March did something which is highly unusual. Instead of just um, tabling discussions and then resuming them later, they pulled the offer. That wasn't my experience as an agent that raised caught my attention when they did that now last month Barkley expressed his frustration with the situation right before he had his um had a football camp and took issue of being portrayed as greedy uh, because of misleading leaks about the negotiation and at the time he didn't dismiss sitting out the season which I call posturing if he doesn't get a deal done um, before the July 17th deadline. Le'Veon Bell is the only um, franchise player to sit out in recent memory or over the last 20 years or so, a whole season. And that was on his second franchise tag, not his first one. Um, his comments did have a positive effect on negotiations, so calling out the Giants um, got them reportedly to put that last offer back on the table. Now, the consensus opinion had been that Barkley had made a mistake with the offer, but in rejecting it. I can't say that in a vacuum because we don't know length of contract. We don't know cash flow. We don't know total guarantees. We don't know amount guaranteed at signing because it's extremely backloaded. Understand why he turned it down. Now, if it's structured conventionally, yeah, you could make that case, but we don't know anything about that. Now, to me, um, the two deals really to look at in his case. And he said after the Giants were eliminated in the playoffs that he wasn't looking to reset the market and smart comment and approach for him to take. Now, the last running back who was given a franchise tag before these three this year was Derrick Henry. And that was in 2020. And he signed a four-year, $50 million contract, averaging $2.5 million per year. Deal maxed out at $51 million through incentives. Um, he had $25.5 million fully guaranteed at signing, and that was the first two years of the deal, or basically 51% of the deal. So if you use Henry's deal as a barometer, measuring stick, whatever you want to call it, then we're talking 26 and a half to 27 million in guarantees for him out to be fully guaranteed for Barkley if he's going to sign a four-year deal. And that's although all these things in the running back market haven't been favorable. Now, another deal you could look at, and it's the most recent um, deal in the marketplace, is Nick Chubb. Now, Nick Chubb in 2021, final year of his rookie deal, signed a three-year extension for $36.6 million, averaging $12.2 million per year. There are $20 million overall guarantees, 
um, $17,133,059 is fully guaranteed at signing. Now, he got 37% of his new money through his first new contract year, and it was neutral after the second year, basically two-thirds of the money. Um, that's not front-loaded or back-loaded because, to me, in a three-year deal, neutral means you'd have basically 33% of your cash through the first year. You'd have 67% through the second year. Obviously, if you played all three that uh, the uh, years of extension, that's 100%. So, if we're talking three-year deal using Chubb as a barometer, and let's say Barkley's at 13, you got to have 26 through the first two years. So basically, you have to fully guarantee the first two years. And that's even though the franchise tag, if you tag the running backs twice, you're basically going to be at 22-2. 22.2 million because the second tag would be $12,109,200. And that was the case with Henry because his tag was, I think, 10.278 million. So his 25.5 million was more than the two tag average. So if you want to get a deal done with Barkley, um, to me, you're, whether it's a three year deal or a four year deal, then you're probably going to be in the $26, $27 million per year range if you're talking the amount guaranteed at signing or fully guaranteed. And if you backload it, you're probably not going to get him to sign the deal. Um, now, let's turn to uh, Raiders running back Josh Jacobs. Now, Jay, Jacobs has expressed some frustration with his situation through social media. Uh, he recently treated bad business. Now, that's the assumption being he's not happy with the franchise tag and the lack of a long-term deal. Um, nobody knows anything about what his financial demands are. This is a situation that could have been averted with one simple decision. You had the regime change after the 2021 season, so last year, uh, Dave Ziegler came in as general manager and Josh McDaniels came in as a head coach, both from the Patriots. They could have had him in a fifth-year option in 2023 for $8.034 million, declined that, so that made 2023 a contract year. All Jacobs did was go out and have a career year. <laughs> uh, led the league in rushing with 1,653 rushing yards and also yards from scrimmage, combined rushing and receiving yards, 2,053 yards, and was named first-team All-Pro. Now, at practically every other position, if you do what Jacobs did in your contract year, you get rewarded where you're going to potentially become the highest-paid player at your position. That. Given the whole state of the running back market, good luck with that one. Now, highest paid running back is Christian McCaffrey. Uh, McCaffrey was three years into his career, first round pick, uh, played three years, and in 2020, so 2017 first round pick, heading into his fourth year, signed a four year extension with the Carolina Panthers, averaging $16,015,853 per year. There were $39,162,500 of guarantees, and he had an NFL best 
thirty million, sixty-two thousand five hundred fully guaranteed at signing. So I said, good luck with that, Josh Jacobs, in replacing McCaffrey as the highest-paid running back, even though that was three years ago. Now, if I'm Jacobs, there's one thing I'm pointing to besides what I did in 2022 to try to justify why I should be the highest-paid running back. You did something you didn't have to do last year when you guys took over for Darren Waller, who you later traded um, this offseason to the New York Giants. He had two years left on his contract, was coming off an injury-plagued season in 2021. You still made him a new money average, the highest-paid tight end at $17 million per year when it was George Kittle at $15 million per year. So, to me, if you could get to Darren Waller at $17 million, if I'm Jacobs, you should be able to get to $17 million for me. For me. Um, I would have a little bit of flexibility on structure if that could happen. I don't see that happening. Um, even though Jacobs is unique from the standpoint that although last year had a lot of mileage overall, low mileage back. He was second in the league with 340 rushing attempts. He's 25, so hitting his prime. At Alabama, he never carried the football in terms of what you'd expect for someone who was drafted in the first round. Three years at Alabama, 251 rushing attempts. So there is tread left on these tires. Um, now, the Raiders open training camp on July 25th, like most teams do. If you don't sign Jacobs to a long-term deal before the deadline, and he hasn't signed his tender, neither has um, Saquon Barkley, and neither has Evan Ingram, then it wouldn't be a surprise to me if Jacobs missed the start of training camp. And that's become part of the playbook for unsigned franchise players who don't get a long-term deal by the deadline, the mid-July deadline. They'll miss part of training camp partially to protest not getting the long-term deal and two, to try to minimize the risk of minimize the risk of serious injury. We saw that last year. Orlando Brown uh, didn't get a long-term deal. Um, missed the first couple of weeks of training camp with the Chiefs. Uh, Jesse Bates um, last year with the Bengals said, I'll never play on the tag, then reported towards the latter part of the uh, preseason in late August. So, um, as an unsigned franchise player, you are not contractually obligated to perform any services since you're not under contract. And because of that, you can't be fined $50,000 per day for each day your training camp you missed, which would be the fine for someone who was under contract. So keep an eye on this one if Jacobs doesn't get a long-term deal, um, whether he shows up for the start of training camp. As long as Dalvin Cook is still out there, even though Miami's his first choice, some people bandied around the nuclear option because if you have an unsigned tender as a franchise player, it can be revoked. And that hasn't happened since 2016 with Josh Norman. Uh, I doubt, I'd be shocked if that happened in this situation. They revoked the tender and then tried to, good luck, he'd go elsewhere out of principle or out of spite if he did that to... <laughs> him where you did that to Barkley. <laughs> um, but, as I said, Jacob Smith's started training camp out a long-term deal. 
I expect to. I, I I would see that happening more than I see him showing up on time. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Tony Pollard did sign his franchise tender. And that was probably a smart move under the circumstances. Pollard suffered a high ankle sprain and broken left fibula when the Cowboys lost to the San Francisco 49ers in the divisional playoffs. Now, he's expected to be ready for the start of training camp, but by doing that, that eliminates the possibility of him not getting his $10.091 million because signed franchise tenders are fully guaranteed. Um, so there's no way the Cowboys would cut him. Now, he's in a little bit different circumstance than he was last year because Dallas arguably had the best running back tandem in the NFL with Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott last year, but um, Elliott's now gone. Um, Pollard was their more effective running back, earned his first Pro Bowl berth, first time he went over 1,000 yards, had 1,007 rushing yards, averaged 5.2 yards per carry, third NFL among running backs. Um, so he's the lead back now. We don't know how he performs as the lead back instead of being in a tandem. Elliott, the two-time rushing champion, his career had been going downwards ever since he signed a deal back in 2019, making him the highest-paid running back at $15 million per year. He was the second-highest-paid running back um, last year, but... Cowboys' track record with franchise players getting long-term deals on the first tag is not good, at least in recent years. Um, You had Demarcus Lawrence in 2018, was given a franchise tag, played on the tag, then the next year got a long-term deal. Uh, Dak Prescott in 2020, played on on franchise tag, 2021, got a long-term deal. They stuck a second franchise tag on both of those guys. Uh, Dalton Schultz last year. Played on the franchise tag. Didn't get a long-term deal. Didn't get a second franchise tag with Pollard. So, based on the last three instances, Pollard will be playing on the franchise tag. And there are other reasons as to why it probably makes sense for a franchise tag. There's also, Dallas seems to have more urgency in looking at other core players. Um, Cornerback Trayvon Diggs, contract year. Wide receiver C.D. Lamb has two years left on his contract, and Prescott has two in their massive cap implications um, for having him play out his contract year or releasing him if everything falls off the rails. Um, But they're on the radar screen for extensions, at least according to Cowboys COO and Executive VP Stephen Jones. that He'd like to get at least one of those guys signed to a new deal if the opportunity arise, I would put my money more on Diggs than anybody else. Now, the Jaguars are reportedly hopeful about getting a long-term deal done of Evan Ingram, according to ESPN's Jeremy Fowler. That was a report that he had on 
television a couple of weeks ago. Ingram came over to the Jaguars on a one-year high-priced prove-it deal in 2022. One-year deal, $9 million, incentives made it up to 10 That was after a disappointing 2021 campaign with the Giants. And he had a career year last year, 73 catches, 766 yards, four receiving touchdowns. Now, may have been a blessing in disguise for Ingram to get the franchise tag because it's been a very soft tight end market. A little bit different reasons in the running back position, but you had two franchise recipients Franchise tag recipients in 2022, Mike Gusecki and Dalton Schultz. And free agency did not go the way either one of them expected, particularly Schultz. Now, Gusecki, I see why, because it never really made sense for Gusecki to get a franchise tag under the circumstances. That he was ill-suited for what Mike McDaniel wanted in a tight end, taking over as a Dolphins head coach. And both these guys were coming off years which were comparable. Ingram did this year. In 2021, Gusecki, 73 catches, 780 yards. And Schultz, 78 catches, 808 yards, eight touchdowns. Um, Worst season of the career for Gusecki this year, 32 catches. Last year, I should say, in 2022. 362 yards, five touchdown passes. His playtime went from basically 72% to 45% now. Schultz, a little bit different reason for him having production drop. 57 catches, 557 yards, five touchdowns. He had a PCL problem with his right knee that kept him out of two games. And then he had no chemistry with backup quarterback Cooper Rush. And when Dak Prescott was out five games with fractured thun, he was basically non-existent. Um, By the end of the year, he looked like the Schultz of 2021. Played really well in the playoffs. Seven catches, 95 yards, two touchdowns. Um, in a playoff, went over the Bucks. Problem this year, you had a very strong draft tight end class. That It was unprecedented to have six tight ends taking the first two rounds of the draft. So if Ingram had been out there in the open market, it may have gone for him the way it did for these two guys. They both ended up signing one-year prove-it deals that – weren't even what Ingram got to get to Jacksonville. Kaseki goes to the Patriots, one-year deal, $4.5 million, maxes out at $9 million through incentives. Schultz, one-year, $6.25 million contract, additional $3 million in incentives from the Texans. And you haven't had any other tight ends get paid on a high level. TJ Hawkinson is in a contract year. He hasn't gotten a new deal. I expect that they get that done at some point before he becomes a free agent last year. They didn't make a trade where they give up substantial draft capital in the middle of last season before the trading deadline uh, for him to be a a one-and-a-half-year rental. At at least that's what I expect. Now, um, if you're going to get a long-term deal done of Ingram, uh, there's one deal that sticks out like a sore thumb that is probably going to be the floor, and that's David Njoku. Njoku was also franchised last year. Um by the Browns, and in June, last June, June 2022, they signed to a four-year, $54.75 million contract, which maxes out at $56.75 million in incentives. His deal averages $13,687,500 per year. And then the 
outside of Waller going to 17, um, there was another high-end tight end deal. Uh, Dawson Knox um, signed for $13 million per year. Max is out at thirteen four per year through incentives. Um, with Buffalo right around the start of the regular season. But Njoku got this deal, and this is a classic case of you paying someone for what you expect them to do, not what they did. Because he was splitting time with Austin Hooper at tight end, who they cut to pave way for Njoku to be the clear-cut primary tight end. Um, 2021, caught 36 passes, 475 yards, scored four touchdowns. Now, I don't see any universe where you get a Evan Ingram deal for less than what Njoku signed, given the disparity in productivity between Ingram in 2022 with the Jaguars and what Njoku did to get paid. One thing the agent might do, I'm thinking $14 million is the floor. Or you can take the max value of that deal, which is $56.75 million is the floor. That gets you at $14 million, per year. You're probably going to have to have guarantees of about $30 million or more. And the Jaguars like to fully guarantee the first two years of the contract and deals and no other guarantees has been their recent MO, uh, particularly with the guys they signed on non-extensions, like the free agents, Christian Kirk, etc. Now, if I'm the agent, I'm like, hey, okay, the cap went up basically 8% from last year. So if we adjust Njoku's base value of his deal by cap inflation, I'm a shade over $14.775 million per year. So we're going to be closer to $15 million per year than $14 million per year on a long-term deal. Um, another thing cutting in Evan Ingram's favor in terms of Jaguars wanting to get a deal done is that they're on the upswing, took a major step forward, won a week AFC South, had an improbable comeback to beat the Chargers in a wild card game, and should win the AFC South. So the conditions are favorable from that standpoint, Trevor Lawrence is still on his rookie contract. They can't pay him until 2024 at the earliest under CBA rules. So you're going to get that kind of cuts in Ingram's favor. Also, they have other franchise tag candidates next year. That Josh Allen in a contract year, edge rusher. You're going to franchise an edge rusher before you would have tied in, all things being equal. And also, Calvin Ridley, who was reinstated from missing a year for violating gambling policy, if he becomes the number one receiver over Christian Kirk and plays like he did in Atlanta in his last full season when Julio Jones got hurt, and I think that was 2020. It's the last time he got 21 season was when he got popped for gambling and then missed all of last year. Then he's going to be another franchise tag candidate that might be ranked higher on the totem pole for getting a tag than um, Ingram. So we'll see if he gets a deal done. Now, none of the four franchise players last year and who were unsigned heading, hadn't signed long-term deals heading into July, that was Jesse Bates, Orlando Brown Jr., Kaseki and Schultz, none of them got agreements before last year's July 15th deadline. None of them got a second franchise tag. All of them went into free agency and went to new teams. Now, to me, if I had to pick one guy who's going to get a new deal out of these four franchise tag players that 
don't have long-term deals right now, it would be Saquon Barkley. This has been like the negotiation, which has been going on forever. They've had the most extensive talks dating back to last November. There's now reportedly some optimism that a deal could get done. It's probably going to come down more to structure than overall dollars than anything else. And there is one wild card. He's the face of the franchise. He accounted for basically 28% of the offense last year. So he, although Daniel Jones is the quarterback who's making $40 million per year on paper, Saquon is the guy. Um, if you things are getting relatively close, you might have co-owner John Mayer intervene in the 11th hour with a directive. Just get the deal done. So we got less than a week left. Um... The NFL is a deadline-driven league. In a lot of years, you've seen deals get done right at the deadline. I do remember, I think it was 2015, there wasn't any hope for uh, any deals to get done. And you had two wide receiver deals get done right before the deadline, the late Demarius Thomas and also Des Bryant. So if we get a Barkley deal done in a timely fashion, that might spur some action with Josh Jacobs. But if one, if I had to pick one to get done, it's going to be Barkley, uh, Pollard. I don't see getting done. Surprised if Jacobs gets done. Wouldn't shock me if Ingram gets done. But if I'm a betting man, which I'm not for these purposes, my money would be on Barkley to get done. Well, that's going to be it for um, this edition of Inside the Cap. Don't forget, you can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel. That's C-O-R-R-Y-J-L. And also check out my agent's take column on CBSSports.com. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you back here next time. Goodbye.